It's an important Sunday for us here at Mount Hope, but it's an important Sunday for our partners around the world as well. Uh, It's that Sunday when we make our commitments to global outreach, and we'll do that in a few moments together. Just before that, I want to share a little bit with you about this idea of all for one and one for all, and really building the message around this outline that's in your bulletin that starts with a bunch of alls and then has a bunch of blanks. Uh, I did that because some of you, if I don't do it that way, will spend the time trying to figure it out like a crossword puzzle and trying to put the words in before I get to it. So I just left all blanks and just all. Some of you will figure it out anyway as we go. Um, but, uh, but I'm going to fill in the blanks as we go looking at this message and talking about all for Jesus in the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about global outreach. We've been, uh, you've heard from a couple of our partners, global and locally. Paul Biswas spoke two weeks ago about reaching some of the unreached people groups that are right near our area. Last week, Rick Camiso shared uh, about him picking up his family, moving from Michigan, going to Dakar, Senegal, uh, and to reaching out to communities uh, there. And you heard about, um, you know, Rick's, a little bit of Rick's story. Uh, And then last Wednesday night, some of you were able to hear Don Butera talk about his ministry in Indonesia. If you weren't able to hear Don, it was a great message, a real powerful message on what God is doing in Indonesia and how God is reaching what is, I don't know if you know this, the largest Muslim nation on earth is Indonesia. And God is using Don to make some inroads in that place for the gospel. If you didn't hear his message, it's uh, on our podcast. You can hear any of those messages on our website. I encourage you to go take a listen to any of them, but especially Don's from Wednesday night um, is a powerful message uh, on what God is doing uh, through them there in Indonesia. I encourage you to do that. This morning as we talk about it, and I have a chance to talk about it just for a few minutes, Global Outreach. I want to use a lens that's probably pretty familiar to you from the news and uh, from uh, maybe conversations that have been coming up. I want to use the lens to look at global outreach of a worldwide uh, epidemic of a disease. Uh, Many of us have heard recently about Ebola and and you're following that in the news and you're seeing what's going on uh, in West Africa and some of the countries there, especially in Liberia. Uh, Gus is going to share about that at the lunch a little bit. Gus Gus and Veronica provided this wonderful shirt for me from Liberia, so I'm trying to represent them well. I don't know if I'm doing that very well, but Gus looks better in them than I do. But but you're hearing a lot about Ebola in the news, and uh, it's a pretty serious thing, right? We've heard a couple cases come to the United States, but I've heard one report, uh, at least that said... uh, you know, they see that the possibility that there could be up to 10,000 deaths a day if it's not contained. And our prayer, my prayer, is that God is going to create boundaries around this, that that's not going to happen, that he is going to bring a stop to this, that he will bring healing to those who are sick. He will stop the stem of it from going further, that he will be with those scientists and that are working on cures and bring about a cure and a stop to this. But it's a pretty serious disease. But I thought about it in light of this morning's message, and I thought, I want to look at global outreach through the lens of a global epidemic of disease. Because if you think about Ebola reaching a few thousand people and and the effect that that has, really physical death in itself, if you read the Bible, comes about, the Bible talks about through the disease of sin. And that were there no sin that entered the world, 
that Adam and Eve, uh, if they had not made that choice, that men and women were created to live on for eternity with God and not experience physical death. And yet sin and disease came in and we all experience physical death, but there is a soul within us that lives on for eternity. And I'd like to look at it through that lens this morning because the Bible says, you know, don't fear the one who can destroy the physical body, but make sure you fear the one who can destroy your soul and who lives on forever. world, it would be an absolute tragedy. There are about 150,000 people who die every day, according to the statistics, enter into eternity. Many, without having heard or without having responded to Christ and getting the cure for their to his presence after this life. And I thought about that through this lens because I thought, well, what if we had the cure? What would our responsibility be if we would look at it through this lens? So let's look at it uh, just uh, quickly through this lens this morning of if, if we look at what's going on in this world and our call to go out as a disease and we have the cure, um, whose responsibility is it to bring it? So let's start with this first all, and I'm going to fill it in like this. All of us are responsible, really, for bringing this cure. If you, um, if you think about it uh, through this lens, uh, that if you had the cure for something, whose responsibility is it to bring it? It would be the person who has the cure, right? Don Butera said it like this on Wednesday night. He said, when you come to Christ, when you come to Jesus, you really have one job that God gives you. There's really only one job God gives you after you come to Jesus, and that one job is to point other people to the door. That one job is to point other people to the way to get there. And I thought, you know what? There's a lot of truth to that, that all of us, and I'm speaking specifically to those of you and me who are in this room this morning who have responded to Jesus, all of us who have experienced the cure for sin, who have experienced forgiveness through Jesus Christ and salvation, have a responsibility to bring the cure to those who haven't heard it yet. And sometimes we can come, especially in these last couple weeks, and say, wow, the Biswasses, that's great how God is using them, and they've been called to do that, and the Camisos, wow, they picked up their family, and they suffered all these hard things that they shared about last week, but God has called them to go, and that's great. Or Don Butera, God's called them to go, and that's great, and we'll support them. I'll pray for them. God bless you. I'll give some money. God bless you. We'll hear from you next year. But the, the Bible puts it is all of us who have experienced the cure are responsible to share it with other people. Jesus said it like this, go in therefore and make disciples of all nations. Go is a command to everyone who's come to know Jesus. You're to go. I think a, a, another, a better kind of translation of that word, it, it's, it doesn't translate completely into English from the Greek, but another way to say it would be in your going... Share the gospel and make disciples of all nations. So that means some of us are going to go, like, leave the country and go to another country and share. But some of us are just going to be in our going to work, to school, to the neighbor's house, to the gym, to the office. And in your going, 
make disciples of all nations, that we're all called to do it. All of us are called to bring this message out. It it doesn't exempt us. In fact, it calls us, if you respond to Jesus, the number one job that you and I have is to tell other people about him. That doesn't mean you don't go to work and go to school and, and do all those things, but it just means that when I'm doing those things, I'm thinking about, is there an opportunity to share Jesus? Is there an opportunity to show the love of Jesus in the midst of these things? Do you get up in the morning and pray, God, here's the interactions I plan on having today. I got a meeting with this person. I'm going to meet with this client. I'm going to meet with this patient. I'm going to uh, go take this class. I'm going to sit beside this person. I'm probably I'm going to carpool with this person. God, here's all the people I am going to come in contact with today. Would you open a door for me to have a spiritual conversation with them about you? Because my number one job after coming to Jesus is to point other people to the door. My number one responsibility is to tell other people about them. God, would you help me? Think about it. If you had the cure for a disease that people were dying of, and instead of sharing it with people, you just kind of check Facebook, watch the latest YouTube videos, go on vacation, go, do, go to work and do your thing, go home and don't share it with anybody, can we really say that we love God and love the people around us? And yet, sometimes that's the life that we can fall into as Christians, we can say, well, I've, you know, I know it, I've got it, and if someone wants it, maybe they'll ask me for it. But if you've experienced this and I've experienced this, how much of a responsibility, if we love people, do we have to share this with the people around us? So all of us are called. Some of us are called to go far away, but all of us are called to share the cure with the people around us. It's the command that Jesus gave to us. So what are we to tell them? All of us bringing all the gospel is the next two blanks. All of us bringing all the gospel. And so the message of Jesus Christ, the entire gospel, we're to bring that to people in our lives. You know the difference between making a decision and a disciple, right? Many of us sometimes think that our job is to make decisions, to get someone to say yes, to get someone to sign on the line and say, yes, I'll follow Jesus and go to heaven. And that's, and we think, us to make disciples. And so making a disciple is a lot different than making a decision. Making a disciple is teaching them to obey all that I commanded. And Jesus in that passage said, don't just teach them, don't just get a decision, teach them to obey everything I commanded you. And so when you share Jesus with somebody, it's not just if they decide I'm going to accept and follow Jesus, that's just the start of the process because then you got to teach them how to follow him. How do they love their enemies? How do they have hope in the midst of tragedy? Jesus has commanded us. And so we have this commission to take all the gospel. It's why when we support global outreach partners around the world that we'll support them that are going there for no other reason than just to translate the Bible. And some people might say, well, you know, you want to you support them, they're going to be preaching, and you want to support them, they're going to be, you know, doing large crusades, and that's great, and we want to do that too. But sometimes we'll support someone just because 
they are translating the Bible into a language that doesn't have a copy of the Bible in their language yet. Why? Because Jesus told us that we're all responsible to bring all the gospel. Not just translate John 3.16 so they can understand it and respond, but all of John, all of the New Testament, all of the Bible, bringing it into their language so they can have all the gospel. And so that's our job. And you might be the, sometimes you might be the Bible that people read, right? And so you have to live your life in accordance with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I read a story this week about one of the first missionaries that left the United States, Adinaram Judson. He left in 1812, left from this area to be a missionary to Burma or Myanmar. Um, And he left to be a missionary to the Burmese people left in 1812, and he went, and one of his primary priorities was to translate the Bible into the Burmese language. He lived there from 1812 until he died in 1850. Uh, In the midst of that, his first wife, Anne, died on the field, and this um, affected Adinaram so much that he grieved for months. In fact, every day for months, he would just go and weep beside her tomb. He would pray out to God, and he'd say, God, I believe in you, but I cannot understand your ways. And he would keep translating the Bible. And he finally finished translating the entire New Testament and the Old Testament into the Burmese language. And he died in 1850. And when he died in 1850... The estimates are there were maybe 20, 25 believers in the country at that time, and no churches that really existed in the country. In the year 2000, 150 years later, Paul Borthwick went to celebrate the life of Adinaram Judson in that area, and uh, he went back. Paul Borthwick spoke here at our missions things in the past, and And he went there, and when he was getting ready to speak, he had a copy of the Burmese Bible, and he noticed in the front that it said translated by A. Judson. And he went to the young man who was there with him. His name was Matthew, and he said, said, what do you know about this man? And uh, Paul Borthwick says that Matthew uh, immediately began to weep. And he said, what we know about this man This man means everything to us. And I'm going to tell you exactly, I want to tell you exactly what he said. He said, we know him, we know he loved the Burmese people, how he suffered for the gospel because of us, out of love for us. He died a pauper, but left the Bible for us. When he died, there were few believers, but today there are over 600,000 of us, and every single one of us traces our spiritual heritage But why, why did God bless that? Because he was committed to be one of those people, all of us bringing all the gospel, that if he would spend his life translating this Bible, translating God's word into a language that it didn't exist in, that God would use that to bless these people. And he didn't see it on this side of heaven, 600,000 people professing Christ and believing because of what? Because of his time spent going from Greek and Hebrew into a language that he was learning And yet God blessed it. And Jesus says all of us have the responsibility to bring all the gospel. And so you and I have that responsibility too, to bring all the gospel to the people around you. You know, someone around you that's becoming a new Christian, teach them how to love God, teach them how to love the people around them. 
You bring the entire gospel to them. All of us bringing all the gospel to all the world. Who's the commission to? Jesus says, go into all the world, making disciples of all nations. So it's all nations, all people groups. And that word nations is not geopolitical boundaries like we think about it. It's more like ethnicities. So they're nations within geopolitical nations, languages, cultures. Go into it. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. What this tells me is that every person deserves the cure. It's not one person you or I meet that doesn't deserve to know about Jesus, to know about his love for them, to know about his saving love for them, that if they will put their faith in him, they can have their sins forgiven. There's not one person you meet that doesn't deserve that. There's not one person on the planet or on the globe that doesn't deserve that. There's not one people group that does not deserve that, that every person is valuable. All of us bringing all the gospel to all the world, getting the cure to every single person on earth. But how do you do that? This is where missionaries come into the picture, right? This is where the Camisos and the Biswasses and the Buteras and other people come into the picture. Because how are you supposed, how are you going to do that? How are you going to get the gospel to a people that have never heard? Drop Bibles on them? I mean, they didn't even have Bibles in their language, but even if you could, would, it, would that be it? Would that be getting the gospel to these people? We're just going to do a drop and then we're going to move on. We'll say, okay, check off this people group. Or do you do what Jesus did? Come down from heaven is what Jesus did. Lived among people. Lived his life among people. Showed people how to live. And that's what we believe is the job of a missionary, to incarnate the gospel into a people group. Not just to drop off Bibles or drop off tracts or do a crusade and then run out. Jesus, tell them about Jesus. That's how you get the message out. And many of these people will give their lives doing that. William Carey was another one. Great missionary of the 18th century. Left England, went to India, you know, and and did many great things in in the nation of India. And Justin talked about some of those last time he preached. But when he died, not many converts Not many would say, William Carey led me to Jesus. And yet he spent his life bringing the gospel. And there's a great effect on the Indian people that can trace their lineage back to the work of William Carey in the 18th century. All the world, every person deserves to hear it. And so we want to support people, and that's why we support. And that's where we want to be able to say, we'll support you. We want you to be able to go, and we want to jump on board and partner with you because every person deserves to hear about the cure. Every person deserves to know that Jesus died for them. So all of us taking all the gospel to all the world. This has always been God's plan. You say, where do you see that in Scripture? From the beginning to the end, it's there. 
Genesis chapter 12, the very beginning, God's talking to a man named Abram. And he says, Abram, I'm going I'm to do some great things through you. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to make you a great people. I'm going to give you a land. And then at the very end of that, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, he says, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. See, God had a plan from the very beginning to bless all the peoples on earth. See, sometimes we look at the Old Testament, we think it's all about the Jewish people. It's not all about the Jewish people in the nation of Israel. It's about the whole earth and God's plan laying it out. He called this one guy Abram, and we don't know why. He just chose Abram. He had to choose somebody, so he chose Abram. And he says, I'm going I'm to build a people through you. And he built the nation of Israel, and he, and he gave them what we know as and his holiness and everything because of his, his relationship with the nation of Israel. But from the beginning, the plan was all the earth will be blessed through you. Every person deserves to hear. And then at the end of the book, if you flip all the way to Revelation and you get to Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, at the end, when John's seeing his vision of heaven and he's revealing it, he says, after this, I looked there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. It's always been God's plan that every person, every nation would be represented in heaven and that every nation would get the opportunity to hear about Jesus. It's not just at the beginning and it's not just at the end, it's at the very center. Before you flip that slide, oh, you flipped it, you beat me to it. <laughs> what chapter is at the very center of the Bible? Psalm 117, 595 chapters before it, 595 chapters after it. I know the chapter numbers were put in later. They're not inspired, but I still think it's interesting. Um, that at the very center of the Bible, it's also the shortest chapter of the Bible. Psalm 117, only two verses. And at the very center of the scriptures... This is the chapter. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples. For great is his love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Beginning to end, right at the middle, it's always been about all nations. It's always been about all people. It's never been about one people group. It's never been about one particular uh, just, just ethnicity. It's always been. God's heart is for the nations. God's heart is that none should perish. That from the very beginning, God's heart has always been that all, those, all the people and all the nations will hear. So it's all of us bringing all the gospel to all the world. And how do we do it? Paul says this, by all means possible. By all means possible. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul says, I've become all things to all people that by all means, say that with me, by all means, try it again, somebody just woke up, by all means, that's better, I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in its blessings. By all means, Paul says, there's nothing I won't do to share Jesus with somebody. There's no barrier I won't cross. There's no pain I won't endure. There's no place I won't go. There's nothing I won't do to be able to share Jesus with somebody. By all 
means possible. We see some of our global outreach partners saying the same thing. A great example of it was when Rick shared last week. And many of you, you know, connected and heard his story. And, and it's hard to think about. You know, you're just walking down the street, just leaving, just walking from church to home. And suddenly a guy tries to snatch your wife's purse, pulls out a machete, cuts your wife's hand. Your kids are standing right there. You try and go after him. He takes a swing. He took a swing at Rick with a machete, hit him square across the back. You know, God protected him. It didn't even cut him. But you think about that. You think about that situation. Why would you do that? Why would you put your family, why would you move your family from the United States of America, the country that so many, you just saw it in the video, the country that so many other people are trying to get into, why would you leave that country to go to a place with young kids and your family and your wife that's going to put your family in danger? And some people would say, it's foolish. Some people would say, you're crazy. Some people would say, you're putting your family in danger and that's criminal. Why would they do it? Why go? Why stay? Why not leave when something like that happens? Because by all means possible, by all means possible that I might save some because the Dakar and the Senegalese people, Senegalese people in that area are 99.9% people that don't know about Jesus. And so they said, we'll go and we'll take our family and we'll stay there and we'll live among them for the opportunity to tell them about Jesus. By all means possible. We've got other of our partners that'll do all kinds of creative things just to get into a country where they normally wouldn't be able to get into to tell someone about Jesus. We got one couple that's opening up, has a cafe in the country in the Middle East, and they just, they open it up and they have coffee there, and and people come in to the cafe, and they come in often to to speak English and and to have coffee with them, but really what they're trying to do is have coffee and connect and tell them about Jesus. We have another couple, um, you know, who is in India. They're in northern India, and so how are they trying to reach out? I read an article uh, from them, and they organized a cricket tournament, you know, cricket, I don't know what cricket has to do with Jesus, but they'll, by all means possible, I don't even know how to play cricket, but the, the, by all means possible to reach people for Jesus. There's a couple from the United States, from, from Texas. I don't know if they knew anything about cricket before going to India, but if cricket is how to connect with the Indian people, we'll play cricket. Don Butera talked on Wednesday night. He said, you know, we're organizing soccer camps because people in Indonesia, they want to come up and play soccer. He said, and then we have this great response to, to soccer, and now we've got the problem. He said, pray for us. But when we bring the parents together, we have a problem. And he said, but we're going we're gonna to bring soccer camps and, and teach people about Jesus. Others will teach English. Some will teach in a university. Others will get a a secular degree that will get them into a country so they can teach in a secular university and connect with people about Jesus. By all means possible, whatever it takes, the Bible says that's what we're called to. And so that's great for them, but I also ask about us. What about us? What about you? Are you working by all means possible to tell people about Jesus? Are there lines that you won't cross? 
other conversations you won't have, other people you won't love, other actions you won't take? What's the barrier? What are you afraid of when it comes to sharing Jesus with somebody? And what's it going to take to get to the place to be able to say with Paul and others, by all means, I might save some. What's it going to take? Is it going to take getting rid of fear of what it might mean to my reputation or what people might say about me or how I might be labeled? I don't know what it is. But what's it going to take to get to that place where we will say, by all means possible, that I might save some, that at the end of it, on that day, (laughs) that there be those that would say they're there because God used us to share Jesus with them. That there'd be someone that would say, you know what, you crossed a line that maybe someone else wouldn't cross to tell me about Jesus. If you've got the cure and you keep it to yourself, can we really say that we love people? We face so much less obstacles and persecution than people in other parts of the world. And sometimes we have so much more fear and hesitation than people that have gone to some of the hardest parts of the world to share. We're not shut up by persecution. We're not shut up by government laws. We're often shut up by our own fears. We're often shut up by our own hesitations. We have shut our own mouth at times. No government has. And what's it going to take to get to the point that we would say, by all means possible? God says that every person is worthy of hearing the gospel, and we should take all means possible to do this. And finally, my final point is this. All of us bringing all the gospel to all the world, by all means possible, all for God's glory. It's not about us. In the end, it's all about God. It's all about bringing glory to his name. John Piper puts it this way. Missions exists because worship does not. Missions exist because worship does not. There's parts of the world, there's a nation, there's a tongue that is not praising God. And one of the reasons missions exist is that so every tongue and every people group and every nation will be able to give praise to God. It goes back to Psalm 117. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples. Missions exist because worship does not. And so the, the end of the story is that all the glory goes to God. And, and isn't that the way it should be? I mean, if you experience a cure from an incurable disease... Isn't your first response to go back to the doctor or, or, or the Thank you for what you did. Thank you for your, what, using your abilities. Thank you for relieving my pain. And shouldn't it be when we have experienced that ultimate healing that our first and greatest response is to go to God and say, thank you, praise you, glory to you, for without you, I'm lost forever. And that's all it is. All the glory goes to God. C.S. Lewis put it this way. It's kind of a lengthy quote, but he talks about glory and why glory is the proper response. He says, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise is not merely, not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. 
It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete till it is expressed. It is frustrating to have discovered a new author and not be able to tell anyone how good he is. To come suddenly at the turn of the road upon some mountain valley of unexpected grandeur and then to have to keep silent because the people with you care for it no more than a tin can in a ditch. To hear a good joke and find no one to share it with. Fully to enjoy is to glorify. In commanding us to glorify him, God is inviting us to enjoy him. And so we come to the place where after we share with people that glory goes to God because that completes the enjoyment, that completes the experience. And so we've got this great task before us, all of us called to bring all the gospel to all the world by all means possible, all and all the glory goes to God. And it's a long task and a hard task And it's a big task, but it's one that God has called us to, and it's one that's worth our time and our efforts. A couple quotes about how big the task is. Oz Guinness says this. He says, the best and highest of our human endeavors usually have a single word written over them. Incomplete. It was that way for William Carey. It was that way for Adinaram Judson. It's that way for many missionaries that go to many countries. It'll be probably be that way for you and I. We won't complete the work, but we're called to do our part of the work. We won't finish it, but we're called to carry it on. You've got a call, and I do, to carry it on. Because you can look at this world, and you can say, how? I mean, you watch the news, and you're like, there's so many people that don't know about Jesus. 2,000 years ago, it was just a group of about 120. And Jesus said, go into all the world. Imagine how they must have felt. Go into all the world? It's 120 of them. It's just a few of us, and we're supposed to get this message out to the whole world? And yet 2,000 years later, there's billions of people who have trusted in this Jesus who lived in an obscure place, going to all the world. Yeah, the task is big, but we're called just to do our part. Reinhold Neighbor said, nothing worth doing can be achieved in our lifetime. We're called to do our part, to do what God has asked you and I to do. Let me just do one more thing this morning before we respond and make our commitments. Um, All of us bring all the gospel to all the world by all means possible, all for God's glory. 